Xtalks connects professionals in the life science, medical device, and food industries with useful content like webinars, job openings, articles, and virtual meetings to help you succeed in your career. This food industry-focused podcast brings together some of our editorial staff to share insights into the latest B2B industry news to help keep you up to date. This week on the show, we're discussing PepsiCo making a strategic investment as the Instacart IPO draws near, and Smuckers' $5.6 billion acquisition of Hostess. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Xtalks Food Podcast. I'm Sydney Perlmutter, Senior Food Industry Journalist and Webinar Moderator at Xtalks.com, and this week I'm joined by Vera Kovacevic. Thanks for coming today. So I've got two very uh, food business oriented stories to talk about. The first of which is about the Instacart IPO. So as PepsiCo positions itself at the forefront of digital advancements, the company recently declared its intention to purchase 175 million of Instacart Series A preferred convertible stock. And this pivotal move uh, was revealed alongside Instacart's Form S1 filed on August 25th with the secure and Exchange Commission, or SEC, indicating plans for its much-anticipated initial public offering, or IPO. So Instacart, which was born in 2012 with the goal of bringing the grocery sector into the digital age and redefining shopping convenience, has formed partnerships with an impressive 1,400-plus retail partner spanning over 85% of the U.S. grocery scene. And the filings gearing up for the Instacart IPO date revealed that the Inst- revealed that Instacart amassed a gross transaction value, or GTV, nearing $29 billion in 2022. And the GTV reflects the product pricing displayed on Instacart, coupled with taxes, deposits, and additional regional fees. And notably, in 2022, Instacart's net income surged to $428 million, which was a sharp contrast to a $73 million loss in the previous fiscal year. The rise in 2022 also factored in a $358 million tax benefit linked to the company's valuation adjustments on deferred tax assets within the U.S., So the buzz around the Instacart IPO date has coincided with PepsiCo's endeavors to expand its digital horizon. Raymond L. LaGuarda, the chairman and CEO of PepsiCo, delved into this strategy during a July 13th conference, highlighting the company's vision to harness richer data by bolstering digitization and superior execution strategies. In a similar vein, during a 2022 presentation at the Consumer Analyst Group of New York's virtual conference, LaGuardia underscored PepsiCo's drive to integrate technology for growth. Articulating his vision, he said, we'll continue to invest in people and technology and build advantage omnichannel data and analytics and consumer insights capabilities while also making targeted IT investments to modernize and harmonize our systems. And in parallel, as the Instacart IPO date nears, the company's SEC filing emphasizes a dedication to investments with a long-term vision. Every decision we make as a company stems from a fundamental belief that, in order to succeed, we need to work together across the entire grocery industry, supporting retailers and brand partners, giving consumers an affordable, accessible, and personalized experience they can't find anywhere else, and creating flexible earnings opportunities for shoppers, Instacart said in its SEC filing. Instacart further elaborated on nine value pillars that it it extends uh, to brands, including return on investment or ROI, targeting high intent customers, swift, swift actionability, and beyond. 
CPG brands are seeking more opportunities to connect digital advertising investments directly to sales impact. Uh, Instacart said. Instacart ads offer CPG brands an opportunity to move products off of store shelves as a direct result of their ads on Instacart. We help them advertise their products in a way that can enable an immediate purchase that can be delivered to the customer within hours or even minutes. The real-time nature of purchase and consumption allows brands to optimize their targeting and messaging to achieve compelling returns on investment. With the Instacart IPO date looming, the strategic moves by both PepsiCo and Instacart stand as a testament to their commitment to shaping the digital trajectory of the grocery sector. So um, I just talked a lot of business here, but I want to know, um, you know, Vera, what you think about Instacart um, just as a whole. Obviously, it experienced a huge surge, you know, at the during the height of the pandemic when people were less inclined to be in grocery stores and um, they experienced a bit of a loss in 2021, but bounced back um, greatly last year in 2022, um, while the pandemic was, was kind of coming a little bit to an end. So um, do you think that uh, it will continue to grow despite not, you know, the pandemic is essentially over. So do you think that it's still like a worthwhile investment on Pepsi's end? Yeah, well, I was actually very surprised to hear that it bounced back in 2022. I wonder why that is, because I thought it was going to just like plummet after COVID. COVID was pretty much over last year and people were going shopping by themselves. I wonder if it's just like a convenience factor now? Yeah, it must be. I mean, I think once you get people onto something, um, you know, I, I'd imagine it it was being used quite often during COVID and then maybe the following year, not as much because people were like, okay, now I can do my groceries and, and not be as nervous about it. And then, um, you know, there are rainy days or or just some, some days where you don't want to leave the house and you're like, oh yeah, I used Instacart a lot during COVID. It still exists. I can, I can continue to use it. I'd imagine that it's not as, um, you know, it's it's used a little less frequently. They've also expanded beyond groceries as well. They can deliver, mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of other things as well from from other stores. So maybe that's helped them grow a, as well. And they've also, you know, they have so many partnerships with retailers and, and they're able to advertise for specific products on behalf of those retailers. So I think they've really like stepped up their game as well. And they've really expanded what they're able to do. Um, so that's my take on it. Yeah, probably um, they must have brought in some new leadership or some new ideas to really mm -hmm. expand on the offerings and on their revenue streams. And perhaps that's why they did really well last year. Um, but yeah, I've heard a lot about Instacart during COVID. I've never used it myself, but I imagine it saves people a lot of time because they don't have to go to grocery shopping themselves and you know, mm -hmm. time is money for people. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, just thinking like sometimes going to the grocery store takes off like half of your day in the weekend, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I can imagine it's super convenient to have other people do it for you. And just like the Instacart ads that you were talking about um, uh, helps people explore like new products that maybe they like wouldn't really um, pay attention to in the mm -hmm. grocery store. Mm -hmm. So overall, I'm really surprised that the company is doing quite well. Um, yeah, I think it's, yeah, surprising to me because I just thought they were like a fad, but it seems like they're here to stay. 
Yeah, it's, it, it really is like a different, a much different way to, you know, quote unquote, do groceries because you're, you are getting these ads. Maybe you're getting um, recipe ideas from the app as well. And you're like, oh, okay, maybe I'll try this. Whereas if you go to the grocery store, it's just you um, and you're making your own decisions. Um, so I'd imagine that people often will go on Instacart and not, you know, they'll buy what they intended to buy and potentially even more because they get ads for sales or or whatever. And you can kind of scale the whole grocery store on an app as opposed to being there in person. So yeah, I think it's a huge convenience factor. Um, as for money, I, I think you're, you're going to be shelling out a little bit more because you've got those like service and delivery fees or whatever. But often people will, you know, are inclined to spend that if, uh, if, if, it'll it'll cut them down time um and in terms of the ipo we talked about this last year like this this was a sort of a much anticipated ipo um it had already delayed plans to go public um in 2021 to focus on its digital marketing business so um this has been a very highly anticipated ipo so when it finally does um you know go public it's it's going to be pretty huge um and this was i i wrote about this last year on uh, the list of of companies that are expected to go public in 2022, along with Impossible Foods and, and Chobani. Um, but maybe it really will happen this year. So we'll definitely be looking out for that. So in other uh, food business news, um, on Monday of this week, the JM Smucker Company, otherwise known as Smucker, announced its agreement to acquire Hostess Brands for a substantial $5.6 billion, which includes debt. So the move brings together two of America's prominent snack manufacturers. So who owns Hostess Brands now? It is Smucker. The hostess transaction is valued at roughly $4.6 billion when excluding the debt when Jeff Peanut Butter producer Smucker agreeing to pay hostess shareholders a sum of $34.25 per share. Reflecting a 54% premium since Reuters first reported on the potential sale, the cash and stock proposition stands as a lucrative deal for shareholders. Hostess's stock experienced a 27% surge uh, post the sale report and climbed to $33.49 um, dollars a share, which is a 19% uh, percent increase, in the early trading sessions of Monday. And conversely, though, Smucker's share dipped by 7%, with investors seemingly finding the deal to be a bit on the steeper side. So when is the transaction set to conclude? Well, the acquisition set to finalize in Smucker's current fiscal year's third quarter equates to an adjusted EBITDA, which is earnings before interest, taxes, uh, depreciation, and amortization, multiple of approximately 17.2 times based on Smucker's projections of Hostess Brands 2023 outcomes. And for context, Campbell Soup recent acquisition of Sovos Brands, the maker of Rouse Sauce, was pegged at an adjusted EBITDA a multiple of 14.6 times considering run rate savings and 19.8 times without. Smucker's investment in Hostess comes at a time when significant U.S. packaged food, foods companies are on the hunt to broaden their brand collections, especially as the financial windfalls from the pandemic era begin to ebb. Who owns Hostess Brands is a question reflecting the broader trend of mergers and acquisitions in the industry, particularly as brands seek reinvention post-pandemic. So who owns Hostess Brands after its financial ups and downs? Well, the brand turned its 
into an acquisition hotspot when its price hikes augmented revenues, but simultaneously sparked concerns among investors due to its dwindling volume growth. The union of Smucker and Hostess is just a chapter in the larger narrative of recent mergers in the sector, with noteworthy mentions like Campbell's Soup, as I was mentioning, the $2.7 billion venture with Sovos Brands and Unilever's acquisition of the premium frozen yogurt brand Yasso in North America. So let me talk about um, Hostess's uh, sort of turbulent history. So it was established in 1930 in Lenexa, Kansas, and it stands as the proud creator of iconic brands such as Twinkies, Ho-Hos, Ding Dongs, Zingers, and Vortman Cookies and Wafers. The alliance with Smucker is a significant turning point for Hostess, which has previously faced bankruptcy, both in 2004 and 2012. The reasons, the reasons range from excessive debt incurred by private equity owners to a lack of innovative snacking options. In a transformative move, entrepreneur Dean Metropolis collaborated with the private equity corporation Apollo Global Management Inc. and reintroduced Hostess to the stock market in 2016. This was facilitated through an arrangement with a special purpose acquisition company supported by the private equity group spearheaded by Alec Gores. Fast forward to a couple years ago in 2020, Hostess had not only rejuvenated its portfolio, its portfolio, uh, but was also registering revenues exceeding $1 billion. This marked a crucial juncture in its revival journey. And as for its financial strategy, the brand sometimes hiked prices to maintain revenue growth, especially when sales volumes dwindled. Meanwhile, Smucker, a brand known for its coffee and pet food divisions, boasts a market cap surpassing $13 billion. The company also recently escalated prices of its jams and jellies, contributing to an optimistic profit outlook for the year. And as the dust settles on this significant acquisition, the recurring question of who owns Hostess Brands now finds its answer in the J.M. Smucker Company. So I thought this was quite, you know, uh, a big or, you know, pretty expensive acquisition. And I don't think I was the only one that thought that. And, and given sort of the turbulent history of Hostess and given that it's gone into bankruptcy twice already, um, are you a little bit more optimistic this time now that it was purchased by, you know, a, a very well-known and big food company? Um, or do you think it it's, uh, risks bankruptcy again? Um, well, like, I definitely think it depends on, like, why it almost went bankrupt. So you mentioned, um, you did mention why you said it was, uh, it ranges, the reasons ranged from excessive debt incurred by private equity owners to a lack of innovative snacking options. Okay, well, I definitely think that the acquisition is going to help them with uh, both of these things. So, I don't see them going bankrupt again anytime soon um, if, if they learned their lessons from before, right? And if they're constantly innovating and bringing out new products that like gain popularity, yeah, I think, I think um, it, it shows a lot of promise. But what's interesting to me, like I, I don't recognize the Hostess label at all. Really? It's such a big company. Yeah. You'd never heard, but you've heard of Twinkies? No. Really? Yeah. Okay. So Twinkies, um, I would say Twinkies are the biggest um, uh, product of the entire Hostess uh, brand. They're sort of an iconic like snack cake. Um, as you can see from the picture, I mean, most of Hostess's products are, you know, sugary treats. Um, mm -hmm. And Twinkies sort of got this reputation for, uh, whether it's true or not, for for 
lasting forever. Um, they they were uh, even though I believe they they certainly have an expiration date. I think they were sort of um, they were the food that they people were like, oh, if there's ever a nuclear war, that's okay. Like Twinkies are going to survive. Like and and I think that kind of derives from the fact that they're so full of chemicals and and preservatives that they're that they never go bad. Although I don't think that's true. I mean, you could you could say that about kind of any other snack in the same category. Um, but yeah, certainly Twinkies are a very like nostalgic snack for for a lot of people. They've been mm-hmm. around for so long. Um, and same thing with with a lot of their other products as well. But I think what Hostess is relying on the most here and what's sort of brought them back to life on multiple occasions is that nostalgia factor and the fact that um, because I do remember actually when they went bankrupt for the second time in 2012 and how sad people were that Twinkies would be gone essentially, um, but they were ultimately brought back. I think by the by just the demand uh, for them. Um, but yeah, that's a little bit of a, a rundown on on Twinkies. Wow. And um, what do you think about the five point six billion dollar deal? Do you think that's um, or you know the thirty four dollars twenty five cents per share? Do you think Seems- that's like a premium? Seems steep, to be honest with you. It seems very expensive. Um, but you know, who? I mean, I don't. I don't want to say what do I know, but I'm just trying to think of you know other acquisitions of like a similar um, caliber, and it does feel a little bit steep um, to me. And I think some other investors probably felt the same way. Um, but I mean. Mm-hmm. Smucker has the the money to spend. They've been they've been doing really well. I think last year um, I wrote about why um, one of their most popular products, Uncrustables, uh, was was doing so well. I think they just have a really good knack for um, popular and sort of timeless products. So I'm not like surprised that they purchased uh, Hostess. Um, and I agree. I think that uh, this this is a really good acquisition um, for Hostess as well. And I I think yeah I don't think they'll face. Uh, bankruptcy again, or at least I'm crossing my fingers because uh, it was it was pretty big news. And to go through bankruptcy twice and to still be around, I I gotta give it to them. Yeah, they they know what to do when they're in trouble, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I wanted to ask you about the acquisition details, right? Mm-hmm. When um, you know, you said that it, it equates to an adjusted EBITDA, and you said it was a a uh, multiple of approximately 17.2 times. Just wondering, like, generally speaking, like, what does that mean? Like, is that number significant? Okay, so um, to answer your question, um, EBITDA is essentially, um, professionals use it, um, they they use reported, um, the, sorry, f- like finance ref- professionals can use details reported on um, annual finance statements to determine a company's profitability using using this equation. Um, and it looks at how much money a company makes before expensing taxes and interests without considering the depreciation of assets. So it's often used in, um, you know, investment banking and of course, and in this case, mergers and acqu- acquisitions and, and analysts may use it to compare two companies or investment options. Um, so yeah, that that is essentially what what that means, and obviously, and and I mentioned that you know another acquisition had a lower um, EBITDA, fourteen point six times, and this one was a little bit higher. Um, so, 
So I guess that's one of the reasons why Smucker decided Hostess would be a good company to acquire. I think so. Yeah, I, I believe so. I believe so. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. And um, Sydney, the Hostess products, they're available in Canada? I believe they are. I believe they are. Um, let me actually you just... Seem, you seem to know a lot about the Twinkies. <laughs> I do, even though I maybe have had one once in my life. Um Yes, they are available in Canada. Um, I believe they're sort of more, like you can find them at, at Walmart and, um, you know, other grocery stores, but I think where they shine the most is, is in, uh, in convenience stores and, or gas stations uh, with, all, with mm -hmm. other like snack cakes and whatnot. But yeah, they're available in Canada. I think they're a pretty relatively like international brand. They've had a lot of um, different adaptations you could say I believe there was like a Twinkie cereal and there's like Twinkies flavored coffee creamers and things like that so the Twinkie brand and flavor is has been adapted into multiple different products and it's uh they've been around for for quite some time yeah interesting in fact, they were, they've been around since the company started in, in 1930. So, um, yeah, they've, they've wow. really almost a hundred years of, of Twinkies, uh, with a couple wow. breaks in between, but wow. too old, too old to go anywhere. Yeah. So, and, and, um, even of course with the acquisition, they're still going to maintain the same, like product names and packaging. Oh, I believe so. Yeah, I believe so. I think I think that would be a mistake on Smucker's part if they if they ch changed that or messed with it or even changed the formula or or recipes or anything like that. I think uh I think they're definitely going to stay the same. Yeah. All right. Well, that's the end of this episode of the X Talks Food Podcast. If you like today's show, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. Thanks everyone and see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the X Talks Food Industry Podcast. If you enjoyed our discussions today, please share the episode with your friends and colleagues and be sure to subscribe in order to be notified when a new episode is released. To join in on the discussion, you can find X Talks on social media, email podcast at xtalks.com or comment on the articles directly. Links are in the show description. Take a moment to join our community at xtalks.com to get access to everything we have to offer, including webinars, job listings, virtual meetings, articles, and more. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the speakers sharing them. They should not be taken as professional advice and do not necessarily reflect the policy or position Honeycomb Worldwide. For further information, email us at podcast at xtalks.com. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week.